should be something that is showing you the uh, phone number to connect with us. Um, if, if not, it will be flashed here shortly. So um, in any event, uh, I, I did also want you to know that there is a card in the seat back of, of the uh, chairs. If you would fill that out, we're not going to come to your house, uh, but it is a good way for us to have a record of, of who was here and to try to stay in touch with you. The only other thing that I would like to uh, mention is, is this would be those of y'all that are members. Um, if you'd like to get involved a little bit more with the church, and it is uh, an easy position to, to roll into because it's not a lot of commitment, but uh, we have some room on the greeters committee for any of y'all that would like to, to be part of that, and uh, you can contact Grace at the church office or you can contact myself. Um, I'm going to read uh, Psalm 27, and it's a little bit long, but uh, bear with me. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, is it they who stumble and fall? Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek after, that is, that is, may I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of my trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me upon the rock, and upon my hedge, and, and now my head shall be lifted up above the enemies all around me, and I will, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. <clears throat> my, my gracious to me and answer, and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says, says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my Lord and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me to the level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and my breath, and, and my breath outside, out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, um, what an appropriate passage for this morning when we're dealing with uh, so many events of, of this week and uh, anything that uh, gives us the encouragement to come back to you. And Lord, we need comfort. I pray, Lord, that you would um, open our hearts to hear the message, that you would uh, penetrate our, our lives, and that you would just invade us. I pray, God, that uh, you, would, you would guide us uh, to look, for, look at you and look for you and the hope that you have given us as we, as, as we go, go forward. Um, Lord, thank you for today. Please bless Ben. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Lord, we want to lift up uh, some of our uh, brothers and sisters that we know of that are sick right now. We want to pray for Julie Robertson this morning, or Robinson this morning. We want to ask you, Lord, to uh, heal her body as she fights off coronavirus. Lord, we uh, just ask you to give uh, her family peace that you are a good father and you are present and you are involved. Give her doctor's wisdom and how to treat her and how to care for her. Lord, we just ask for her um, recovery, uh, just plain and simple. Uh, the desire of our heart is um, for a full recovery and a wonderful testimony of deliverance. Uh, Lord, we entrust her to you and ask you to, um, to be present and good. Lord, also, we want to pray for uh, Steve living good, and, um, uh, who also is sick right now. Lord, just uh, those in our community that we know or know of, uh, this uh, coronavirus um, sickness uh, is just uh, such a, um, it's almost like something we expect at this point. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, protect your people, uh, that you would provide for your people, uh, that your people would look to you for deliverance. Uh, Lord, we uh, too pray that we would, uh, in this season, just as, as best as possible, as much as po possible, be good neighbors, uh, that we would do the best we can to uh, protect others um, as we uh, navigate this strange time. Lord, we uh, entrust these dear folks to you. Uh, we entrust those who are anxious and worried and concerned to you as well, those who have various uh, illnesses that would predispose them possibly to... Uh, a more difficult uh, experience with the coronavirus. We uh, just ask your special protection and special comfort over those who may be um, especially anxious right now, Lord. We are thankful that we are, go we are coming to in prayer right now to a God who is able, a God who is present, a Father who cares, uh, that we're not um, speaking to a, a ceiling with empty words, but we're speaking to a very capable and able and helpful God and we ask for that help right now. Uh, we pray, too, that you would give us wisdom in how to navigate this season as, as the people of God at Crosspoint, or that we would be faithful in how we navigate it, that we would be good stewards with every gathering, uh, that we would be charitable and gracious with one another, uh, that we would be thoughtful and considerate with each other. Uh, we pray the same for those that we live near and work with, and in all of these circumstances, Lord, we just beg for your help. It is uncharted territory for every person in this room. We ask for your help that the Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us and um, that we would somehow be an aromatic, uh, salty and bright presence in these uh, times. Lord, we also want to pray these things for uh, another church in our community, for First Baptist Church Greenville, uh, for uh, Roy Youngblood and his family. Lord, we just want to ask you to bless Roy. We ask you to sustain Roy, to give him uh, an endurance that can only come from worship. pray that you would give him a wisdom that can only come from you. I pray that the outcome of the time that he spends with people would be greater than, than his efforts, uh, showing that you are at work. Lord, we pray for the church at First Baptist Church, uh, Greenville, Lord, that you would bless the people there. That the time that they're gathering this morning would be equipping, would be stirring, would be helpful, would be a blessing to them. Lord, we entrust them to you, and thankful we're thankful for the opportunity to lift them up this morning. Lord, also this morning, want to pray for a people group, for the Madura people of Indonesia, 7.6 million strong, 0.11% of which are Christian. Lord, we are, are lifting up a massive people group and asking you to be great among them somehow, to send workers 
to couple that with people that are searching and having dreams and visions and aching to know their creator. Lord, we ask you to do something mighty in a massive prayer. Uh, Lord, we also pray for something more uh, personal to us, a, a dear couple in, the, in, in Germany. Lord, we lift them up this morning. We ask you to sustain them in their work. Lord, we ask you to bless their efforts, that they would see um, the outcome of what they're about, Lord, but they wouldn't be enslaved to what they see, that they would serve and walk by faith. And that those windows of uh, sight where they see an outcome that would be a strong encouragement to them. Lord, we, we uh, ask you to bless them in this season as they navigate uh, the shutdown in Germany, uh, as they navigate as a family how to, how to brave those times, as they learn foreign languages, um, as they reach unreached people groups. Lord, we entrust them to you. Or lastly, in these few moments, I want to just pray that you would uh, give me a, um, that you would keep me from rushing, uh, that you would keep my mind from distraction. Uh, pray in these few minutes that you would do the same for all of us, that you would give us something more uh, than what we even think we might need, that you would equip the saints, and uh, that you would be great in these next few minutes. Entrusting this time to you, in Christ's name we pray, amen. We're in Matthew chapter 7. I'll give you a moment to turn there. And then in a moment, we'll stand and read from Matthew chapter 7. I just want to share with you just a thought before we read this passage. Um, I don't know, maybe unless your head is in the sand this week, uh, that you haven't experienced some, um, some sort of emotions over the course of the week. Maybe some folks have experienced anxiety and fear, uh, worry, and maybe some folks have experienced um, joy and celebration. Um, maybe some folks have experienced confusion, uh, frustration. Maybe some folks have experienced however this outcome of election, or this election outcome would have, would have turned out, uh, a sense of frustration and disappointment. Um, all kinds of feelings in this room, even just in this room. All kinds of feelings with those that we live by, work with, uh, that we are family members of, all kind of emotions and Facebook communities where people are spending time together in that virtual space. My hope and prayer is that we find some mooring this morning. We can plant our feet on something firm. And I have this feeling, too, that this morning we need more than a snack. I don't know if we ever have a snack. But we need something substantial. And I think the Lord, right on time, has given that to us. So you all stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's word from Matthew chapter 7. Beginning in verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Lord, speak to us from these particular words. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to some encouragement here. 
some insight, some wisdom, some help. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all have a seat. Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 7, verse 6 is a tricky passage. Uh, Ethan, you can go ahead and put that one passage up. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Your Bibles might do different things with this passage. They might group them with um, the words in front of that having to do with judgment. That's what I think a lot of the uh, translations do. Uh, You might have it just standing alone by itself. I don't know of any translation that connects it to where we're going this morning. Um, it's a difficult passage. I, too, I'll give you a little insight into what life is like for me over the course of a given week. I spend time in prayer, preparing for each sermon, but I also spend time in study. I study the original language, but I also lean into um, a lot of dead guys. There are a few of them that are alive, but a lot of them are dead. But they've written books that have real help. People that spent their lives studying the original language are studying a particular gospel. Um, I lean into some really strong and healthy commentaries. And almost across the board, except for one commentary, uh, my commentaries didn't know what to do with verse 6. It's a strange passage. Dogs and pigs, pearls and holy things. There's this thing here that you might hear that passage referred to at times. It comes in handy at times as an idiom, doesn't it? Uh, We don't want to put pearls before swine, you know. But do we really even know what it's meaning here in this passage? It's a very difficult passage. I have one commentary that, uh, um, that this guy is I, I, one of the most gifted commentators that I've read at connecting difficult dots in a way that when you see them connected, you go, how did I not see that? And that's, uh, his name is Peter Lightheart. If you ever wonder, uh, if you ever want to buy something like that, it might be a commentary that'd be interesting to you. Peter Lightheart. Uh, he's he's a, a wonderful commentator, and he has given me some insight, I think, and given us some insight into how to handle this passage this morning. This passage, verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Uh, we don't know if it was just a saying, if it's a metaphor that's just sort of lost in translation over the years. Uh, it seems strange for it to just sit there in isolation without any connection to what's in front of it or after it. It seems a strange connection to a judgment section, judge not, you know, judge not one another, that passage that we looked at last week, uh, lest you be judged. Uh, it looks, uh, maybe at first blush, strange attached to this asking a good father section. So it's hard to know what to do here, but I, like I said, I think we have some help this morning in uniting verse 6 with verses 7 through 11. So I've asked Ethan to sort of scroll through some slides for me over the next couple minutes. I just have a few. We're going to spend about three minutes on this. This isn't the currency I want you to spend over the course of the morning on listening currency. It's just something to maybe give you something to lean into that this isn't uh, contrived where we're going this morning. Okay. There's a word that sort of binds verse 6 to verses 7 through 11. Okay. It's the word give. As I read the passage, I want you to just kind of see where this word or some version of the word give sort of emerge. Beginning in verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven Will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That word give seems to be sort of this binding thought in this passage, starting in verse 6. So this thing that at first might look like it's just sort of strange and disconnected actually seems to possibly have an integrity in a section talking about giving and receiving. Okay, something else I want to call your attention to, and this is just briefly, and we'll consider this later on in the morning, are the three commands of the passage. There are three commands all embedded within verse 7. Ask is an imperative. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek is the second command or second imperative. Seek and you will find. And the third imperative is knock and it will be opened to you. Okay, there seems to be, we'll consider the ask, seek and knock later on in the morning. Okay, but there seems to be an integrity here. And this is sort of maybe how to kind of give you a little taste of where we're going in the morning. Don't give to dogs and pigs holy things and pearls because your father gives good things to those who ask. Okay, it's just a light brush of where we're about to go in the, in, in the next few minutes. And I'm going to say it again so you begin to get acquainted with sort of an aerial view of where we're going. Don't give to dogs and pigs holy things and pearls because your father gives good things to those who ask. Okay? All right, so let's climb in. Let me give you sort of a a plan for how we're going to sort of unpack this passage. There's a prohibition in verse 6. Okay, I think this is a prohibition. We see do not in there, okay, so we could expect it's a prohibition. And then verse 7, there are the commands, ask, seek, and knock. In verse 8, there's an explanation. And then in verses 9 through 11, there's an appeal. Okay, so that's all we're going to do this morning, sort of unpack the prohibition the commands, and then the uh, explanation, and then the appeal. And then we're going to see what in the world it might have to do with us here in 2020, a week after, coming up on a week after Election Day. Okay? I think you're going to find that God has been really good to us. Let's start with the prohibition in verse 6. Let's make sense of this. Let me tell you, let me kind of give you two. We're going to break this sermon down into two parts. I've kind of given you the outline. But we're going to break it down in two parts. I, listening currency is something. And I realize you only have so much on a given morning. Some of you have more than others, okay? But for the most part, you're sort of uniform in the listening currency. So let me kind of help you sort of distribute your listening currency. We're going to break down the sermon into two parts. The first part of the sermon is really going to deal with this prohibition. And the second part of the sermon is going to deal with sort of the rest of it. And then the third part, we're going to bring it together. Okay, the prohibition is where we're going to spend these next few minutes, the first part of the message. Who are dogs and pigs? Okay, after all, we know, you have the sense here, we're talking about people. So I'm going to have you turn a few places this morning. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to ask the, this question first of dogs. Who are dogs? Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 21. It's just a little narrative story you're going to meet a Canaanite woman okay let's get let's climb into this past and see what we can learn about dogs 
And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, okay, Canaanite woman is a Gentile woman. Okay, the Canaanites would be the Hittites, Jebusites, Perizzites, uh, Philistines, anybody that's not a Jew uh, in the Canaanite, in the Canaan region. Okay, so this is a Canaanite woman, a Gentile. Behold, a Gentile, a Canaanite woman, came from that region and came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But as she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Okay, right off the bat, you ought to see some similarity in the way that little story unfolds of putting pearls before swine and holy things thrown to dogs. Okay, there's a dog connection in here. Now, he refers to her as a puppy. It's not the same use of the word dog that's over there in Matthew chapter 7, but we're still talking canine. Okay, it seems a softer use with her. If you... She's speaking, if he's speaking to her directly, it seems kind of softer that he's referring to her as a puppy, okay? But he definitely referred to her as a canine, a dog. It says it's not right to take the children's bread, this holy thing or this pearl, and throw it to the dogs. You see the similarity there? And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. A really confusing passage, isn't it? I mean, you would hope that like if an evangelist came to town that he wouldn't refer to people as dogs. That probably is not going to go really well, right? Well, Jesus clearly referred to dogs and pigs in the Sermon on the Mount and then here speaking to this woman referred to her dog as a dog. Now, I think in ancient times they may not have been as, as sensitive as we are, frankly. A little more durable, okay? She seems pretty durable in the way she handled it. And it was her faith, it was an entry into this relationship with him that resulted in the healing of her daughter. It's a beautiful picture, but you get a little window into Well, who might dogs be? Well, just a neighbor, just a few chapters later, a dog there is a Canaanite and a Gentile. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul was referring to the Judaizers, and he referred to them as dogs, which is like a serious cut because he's calling Jews basically Canaanites. He's calling Jews Gentiles in the way that they're trusting in the flesh as a Judaizer. Okay, so this is a derogatory term in a lot of sense, in a lot of ways. But it seems to be referring to Canaanites and Gentiles. That's who the dogs appear to be. Now let's talk pigs. If you were to just think about your just general reading of the Bible and in the Gospels where pigs might come up, maybe you might think about the prodigal son. Prodigal son goes off, so he walks away, leaves home, and he goes off and experiences the world. And this low point is where he's feeding the pigs and he's longing to eat the pods that have gone to the pigs. That's a, a metaphor in some ways. If he hit rock bottom, he experienced the, the worst of the world, the, sw- the slop of the world. Uh, uh, one guy used the term miasmus. Such a good word. It's like an onomatopoeia. Isn't, that, isn't it onomatopoeia, that, that word that sounds like what it is? It sounds gross, like the stench. And it's there that the pigs are a beautiful picture of this the bottom that the world has to offer, this, this space of unbelievers. Okay, so that's a little t- 
taste that might be familiar to you or the, the prodigal son. There's another little window in Matthew chapter 8. And since we're right there as a neighbor, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 8, trying to figure out who the, the pigs are. This is neighboring chapter 7, mind you. Okay, you know your numbers. It's right next to chapter 7. Okay, look at number 8, or chapter 8. Let's look particularly at the healing of the demoniacs in verse 28. He came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, to, and, and when he came to the other side, this is the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he came to the country of the Gadarenes. Two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tomb so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before time? or before the time, and now the herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. Now, I've been confused for many, many years at why in the world there's a herd of pigs in Israel. Okay, this isn't Israel. This is on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. This is like Jesus, he's on a mission trip. He's crossed over the Sea of Galilee or gone around it, and he's gone over into the land of the Gentiles, and he's doing... and doing uh, good things, healing and preaching and doing wonderful things on a mission trip. Okay, so these are a, a herd of pigs in a land of the Gentiles. Okay, so the demons appealed to him, cast us into this herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So the demons came out and went into the pigs and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. And the herdsmen fled and going into the city, they told everything, especially what they had happened or what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city, watch what happened here, came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Okay, this is a little window into the value of swine to the Gentiles. They valued a herd of pigs more than they, devout, more than they valued two men who were demon-possessed. Okay, this is a little window into the life of the Gentile in the Roman Empire. They loved pigs. Let's be more specific. They loved pork. I mean, really, it's their favorite food. That's not the only thing, but that's substantial. It's their favorite food. I read some account that had, they had some like 12 different versions of sausage. They had all these different words for pigs. I mean, this was, pork was near and dear to them. You'd understand why the city would object to a herd of pigs dying on this steep embankment. They consumed pork more than any other meat. As a consequence, and as a response to the negative attention which Romans gave to Jews about their abstinence, the Jews associated Romans with indulging in and even embodying pork. Pigs became a visual for the Jew of the Roman Empire and, and, and Gentiles. There are a number of early texts that associate Rome with the boar, okay? There's some interesting details about the legions. This is this kind of a little military explanation. There's some interesting legions that were named uh, or that, that were either named after pigs or had them on their emblem. In 31 BC, the emperor Augustus founded the Legio Valeria Victrix. The symbol of this legion was the jumping boar. In 41 AD... Okay, we're just talking a few years later after Christ. We are talking present time nearly for the Sermon on the Mount. In 41 AD, the Legio Fratensis conquered and occupied Judea, 
For more than a century, and the legion made Jerusalem its new home and implemented a wild boar into their emblem as a way to humiliate the Jewish population. This is real stuff for this is context helping us make sense of who dogs and pigs are. Nero in 67 AD uh, had the, the Legio Italica displayed a wild boar as part of their emblem. This is interesting too. The Romans actually fought with pigs. Not fought against them, but fought using pigs. They actually had what they were called incendiary pigs that they sent into battle against forces that used elephants. Because apparently, I mean, who knew this? Elephants are wildly afraid of pig squealing. Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you're fighting an army that is, is mobilized on elephants and you find something that's their weak link, their Achilles heel... Man, you're going to use it. And it turns out it's pigs. So they'd light these jokers on fire and send them into battle against these guys. And you could imagine what a flaming pig would turn into. I mean, have you ever seen what happens to pork and fat when it catches on fire? This would be crazy. And apparently the elephants would just go crazy and then they would stomp, they would trample their own troops. They would actually hang and suspend pigs from the walls of their cities because just the squeals of the pig hanging there would, would keep the elephants away. Man, Romans loved pigs. And in many ways, they appear to be the picture of Rome. If we're going to look at context and take the time to do a little work for context, it looks like both biblical and sort of extra-biblical, near-extra-biblical texts point toward dogs and pigs as a reference to Gentiles and Rome. Okay, I think that's important. We need to make sense of that. Gentiles and Rome. Okay. Now, as far as holy things and pearls, we need to make sense of what those are, right? The holy things in Matthew, there are only a handful of references to holy things or holy in the book of Matthew. There's the Holy Spirit that's referenced often, and there's the holy city. Okay, so in Matthew, if we're going to use Matthew as sort of the legend there to make sense of holy things, then it appears that we're talking, at least oftentimes, the holy city or the holy place. Okay, now as far as pearls go, Matthew chapter 13 has a, a whole chapter that's dedicated to parables of the kingdom. There's one particular parable in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 45. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Okay, so when you take that little window into the kingdom of heaven being like a, a, a valuable, costly pearl that you sell everything to go purchase and connect it to this sort of holy city imagery, it looks like holy things and pearls are the picture of kingdom treasures, okay? So let's sort of bring those things together. Don't put kingdom treasures in front of or thrown to or entrust to Gentiles and Romans. Okay, that may make no sense to you at all right now, but let me kind of help you connect this. Israel had a history with holy things and pearls being entrusted to pigs and dogs. They had a history leading up to this moment on this mount 2,000 years ago when it was preached that likely would have been in every single mind there that that's why I've done the work this morning so that hopefully now, at least for the moment, it's in our mind and minds. 
collectively and individually. Israel had a history with holy things and pearls being entrusted to dogs and pigs. Israel and Judah often trusted in foreign powers to protect them against other foreign powers. All that while God is saying, I'm your protection. I'll be your I'll be your plan. I'll be your escape. I'll be your deliverer. And yet they're scheming and making plans and deals with foreign powers to protect them against foreign powers. They made, made deals with the Arameans to protect them from the Assyrians. And then when the Arameans threatened, they tried to make a deal with... Then when the Arameans threatened, they tried to make a deal with the Assyrians. And a few years ago, we were in the book of Isaiah... And you might remember the imagery, if you were back here then, or if you were here then, the imagery of making, you know, a mouse, making a deal with a cat to protect them from another mouse. That's precisely what we're talking about here. They had a history and a pattern of making those kinds of deals. When Babylon threatened Judah, they tried to make a deal with their former captors, Egypt. There's a little window. You can just listen to this passage, maybe jot it down later if you'd like to look at it. It's a tragic little window into how these people were moving, but it's something that would have been considered on that mount 2,000 years ago. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1 and 2, Isaiah says, Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan but not mine, who make an alliance but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Man, that's the people who stood on this mountain 2,000 years ago. That's the people who he's saying, don't entrust holy things and pearls to pigs and dogs. What was often associated with these deals is actual holy things and pearls being given to these foreign powers. I don't mean figurative. I mean actual holy things taken from the temple treasury. Here, Assyrians, here, Egypt, here's all our temple treasury so that you will protect us. Actual holy things being entrusted to pigs and dogs from the temple treasury. Pearls entrusted to swine and holy things given to pigs. Israel had a real history with entrusting holy things to Gentiles. And the people on that mount 2,000 years ago would have known that. Israel had a history of entrusting holy things to Gentiles. Who can we make a deal with for our well-being? You may not be uncomfortable yet, but I hope you are a little bit. Who can we make a deal with so that my 401 will be protected? Who can we make a deal with so that I will still be able to bear arms? Who can we make a deal with so that the thing that I call a quality of life here in Greenville, Texas in 2020 is secure? Who can we make a deal with? We'll come back to that later. But here they sit, the nation of Israel on that mount 2,000 years ago at the time of Christ, entrusting themselves to Rome. 
Man, maybe not the individuals on that hillside that day, although I suspect there were some opinions on that hillside. If, if they had Facebook, what would their Facebook pages say? Man, the guy that was ruling them at the time, of course, it's the Roman Empire, the emperor at the time, but there's also this micro-ruler, Herod Antipas. Man, Herod Antipas, he was the man. He built a great city on the Sea of Tiberias. Man, he continued the work on the temple, Herod's temple. Man, this guy was awesome. He's doing some great things, but he was a sellout. He was in bed with Rome. Jesus referred to him as a fox in the book of Luke. Man, these people on this hillside would have connected those dots in that day. And here's a little window into where this thing is going. In Luke chapter 21, just jot this passage down and listen to it for now. Luke chapter 21, this is a, a um, Jesus is foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem. This major event in the life of Israel in 70 AD, and listen to how it reads. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are inside the city depart. Let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that's written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against his people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Man, y'all, I'll tell you, I can imagine how this feels sitting in the seats this morning. Like, hey, this is kind of complicated. We're trying to climb into the mind of the here 2,000 years ago because it's then we're going to find something that has some potency for us today. That's all of part one. We're going to connect it to part two here in a moment. Okay, here's part two. Part two of the sermon. Let's climb into the command. Jesus commanded them, instead of putting pearls before swine and giving holy things to dogs, instead of that, ask, seek, and knock. Those all three are commands. All three are present tense imperatives. They sort of carry this tone. Begin and continue to ask, seek, and knock. Continually perform asking, seeking, and knocking. Repeatedly perform ask, seek, and knock. And I've been repetitive for that purpose, so you will take that in. It's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's the way you move with this Heavenly Father. You continue to ask, seek, and knock. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking repeatedly and continually asking, asking repeatedly and continually seeking, repeatedly and continually knocking. And something else that's interesting about these imperatives is they're all plural. The people of God are to pray together. We read this like a bunch of Westerners. Like, what does this say to me? What does it say to us, people of God, across my fellowship? We together ask. We together seek. And we together find. And then this promise in verse 8, this encouraging promise. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, to the one who knocks it will be opened. The askers receive, the seekers find, the ones who knock will find an open door. And y'all what it sounds like here? It sounds like what's being communicated here, what's being promised here and encouraged here is that our good father 
can and will be found when sought by the people of God. He can and will be found when sought by the people of God. Okay, here's the appeal beginning in verse 9. Here's the, why wouldn't this make sense? Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, if you then who are human, if you then who are fallen, you could even say, even if you then who are even the worst of you are going to at least give your own child what they ask. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is the kind of Father we have, people of God. This is the kind of Father we have, better than the best dad. Man, I hope so, because, man, even the best dads fail, right? Better than the best dad. A how much more kind of Father he gives. Better bread better fish, better gifts. He's a how much more father, better than the best fallen father. Okay, that's part two. Y'all are doing good. I know this isn't easy. Part three is going to bring it together. Okay, here's part three. It seems here that Christ, as Jesus on this mount 2,000 years ago, is discouraging a trust in Rome and deals with the world. He's discouraging placing your trust in a government. He's discouraging, I thank you. I don't know who said that. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. He's discouraging placing trust in a government. He's discouraging placing trust in a political party. He's discouraging for us here in 2020, placing your trust in any president. Wherever you land this week, whether you're disappointed or celebrating, whether you were happy four years ago and mad today or mad four years ago and happy today, he's discouraging placing your trust in those people and instead rather and he's discouraging looking to them or any of these things, a government, political party, or a president, to provide for you. That's not the way the people of God think. We are to instead ask a good father who gives. Who when sought, you find. Who when you knock on the door, opens the door to you. Instead, seek a good father who is present in our trials. Knock on his great doors and find them opened. There's just two things that I think are really sweet to bring out of this. Turn to John chapter 17. I just have a couple more places for you to turn this morning. John chapter 17 is one of them. I'd like you to see this. This good father gives not policies. He doesn't give strategies. He doesn't give tax breaks. He doesn't protect guns. He doesn't take them away. This good father gives something completely different. John chapter 17. I just want to ask you to consider this question before I read this passage. What is your carrot? What is the thing that you like value most? What is this thing that's like, this is really what I'm after? Listen to this passage beginning in John chapter 17. This is on the eve of his arrest. He's going to the cross the next day. 
When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life. There it is, that thing. I hope that's your carrot. Eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. What is this carrot? That they know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent. That's the carrot. Not a tax break. Not a medical plan. Not a strategy. Our Father gives something even better than all of those things. He gives Himself. He Himself is the carrot. He Himself is the true bread. That's what Jesus said about himself after he fed the multitude. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. What political, what, what president could promise that? Man, they made every other promise, didn't they? But they can't promise that. We only get that from a good God. And here's something that's interesting for you all to think about. Do you know that you find him in the very circumstances you want to be liberated from or avoid? That's the kind of God that we're talking about who's actually present in those things. Not only has he not abandoned you, he's actually present in those things. When things don't seem to be going your way, when you don't like the outcome of our election, or you didn't like it four years ago, wherever you stand, He's present in those moments. It's in those times that you ask. It's in those times that you seek. It's in those times that you knock that you find him most. And he himself is the carrot. He's the better bread. Every emperor will leave us wanting, people of God. Every governor will disappoint. Every president will fall short. Every empire disappoints. Whether you're celebrating or mourning the outcome of this election, you've got to realize you can't place your trust in any of them. Ever. Ever. The cool thing is this sermon was applied however the election turned out. You understand that? It would apply four years from now. And then four years after that, you can't place your trust in them ever because they will disappoint and they will fall short. Listen, just listen for a moment. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation, When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, who gives when asked, asked, is found when sought, who opens the door when you knock on it. That's our Father. Man, what a God we have here, people of God. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. 
That's the kind of God that we have. Do you believe this? Does your Facebook page reflect this? Does your conversation over the water cooler reflect this kind of confidence? It has to. That's who we are. This is our hour. Do you understand that? It's in moments of trial and difficulty that we have the most beautiful opportunity to be salty, bright, and aromatic. In a world that has been discombobulated in 2020, what a time we have to be salty, bright, aromatic with our feet firmly planted. Not anxious, not fearful, but at peace. Man, do we know, do you really know who you know? Do you really know, do you really know who you are? Y'all, I want to tell you this, man. I, this, this election and every election matters. But barely. Let me qualify that. In contrast to a kingdom of God that is advancing and a king who's reigning and ruling and an eternity together with this king. In... Uh, land navigation they had this stuff called microterrain and hiking have you ever done that if you ever done any sort of off-road stuff you know on a bike or hiking you know you get familiar with microterrain stuff that you can barely see on the map but you feel it when you're on the ground you're like holy cow i didn't see this on the terrain map you're in what's called microterrain okay we live in microterrain do you understand that we have a tiny little moment where we might feel like, oh, the world's come to an end. Or we might feel like, oh, finally we've been saved. We're in a little, tiny little undulation on a downhill move to the return of our Lord and King. Every day moving closer. Every day marching closer. And the kingdom of God has advanced under Nero's reign and it advanced under Constantine's reign. And it's going to advance under whoever was elected this week. I'm pretty sure it's Biden at this point, if we know for sure. It would have advanced whoever was there. The purposes of the Lord will never fail. That's the Father that we have access to, that we can ask who gives, that we can seek and find, and that we can knock on the door and he opens it and says, come on in. Man, do you know who you know? Do you realize who you know? A good father who has given himself and gives himself in the trial. We don't need princes. We have a king. We don't need princes. We have a king. Isaiah chapter 8 has a dear passage. Verse 11 says, The Lord spoke to me thus with a strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. 
do not call conspiracy what this people call conspiracy. Do you know who we know? <laughs> it matters, but barely. It matters, the outcome of election, but barely. We'll leave you this thought, this last thought. Matthew chapter 27. You can just listen to this passage or you can turn there if you'd like. Probably just listen. It's a nice illustration of pearls being thrown to swine and holy things entrusted to dogs. Matthew chapter 27, verse 1. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to a pig. A pig named Pilate. We have a father who gives the best gifts. And the gift that he's given us in this pearl is what galvanizes us, endures us, or gives us endurance, sustains us in these undulations. We calm at peace. Our Lord himself was the pearl thrown to swine when the high priest appeared to Pontius Pilate for judgment and sentence. He is himself the holy thing, the ultimate holy thing, given to dogs and trampled underfoot so that we don't have to make any more deals. Amen. Uh, we don't have to make any deals. No more deals. We have our king. Man, we have our king. Let's pray. Lord, we are burdened about the state of our country. We are burdened about the division. We are burdened about what's going on right here in this undulation. We bring those details to you, this micro trial to you, knowing that you can act and often do act in these trials. One thing we know for sure is you're present in these trials. Lord, I pray is that response as an outcome of the time that we've spent in your word hearing from our Lord 2,000 years ago is that we together in this little undulation, undulation in this little micro trial this micro triumph whatever it is for any person in this room or online this morning or who might hear this message later that ultimately our greatest treasure and our most calming influence is the relationship that we have with you by our union with Christ by faith that we know a good father who gives when asked, that we find when sought, who opens the door to us when we knock. What a great father. You give good bread. You give better fish. And you give great gifts. The ultimate gift is the person of your son. We are so thankful, Lord, 
In this moment right now in this room, we are calm. Our hearts are full and overflowing. We are calm and at peace. We love you and we trust you. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and grab your little supper cup there and I'll share a passage with you. It's going to be a familiar passage, but it's one that I think is a fitting uh, passage for our supper. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, a dog, a Gentile, one of us. Okay, personalize this for a little bit. One of us from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. That's what we do every single week. We eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table at a table that we're not even supposed to be sitting at. What a scandal. (laughs) Do you feel like you're part of something that's pretty great? You should. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and he sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them because that's what he does. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Man, I love the fact that this Lord has come for dogs Pigs, even, crippled, blind, lame, evil, fallen fathers. Man, we could do with some thick skin because you're going to need that for faith because you have to reckon with who you really are because that's who he comes for, the sick and the needy. And look what happens next. And then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And am I unwilling to, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And then he fed the multitudes. Man, what a fitting meal we have. What a fitting time to eat, right? A God who provides for us. Surprisingly, with crumbs from the table for a bunch of dogs and pigs. I'm I'm a dog. I'm a pig. I'm an evil fallen father. I'm a blind and lame and crippled. I'm a sick. And I need what falls from the table. And he gives it so amply. Let's take and eat in faith. Let's take and drink in faith, enjoying him. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this good meal. Thank you for providing for those whom you've already healed. 
Thank you for those, that, for, for giving us something to eat, those who you've already brought into your presence. We enjoy this hearty meal in faith. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all stand and let's continue in song. Come let's worship our King. Let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, He. Of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awakened alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. sing this next part you've been faithful you've been faithful through every storm you'll be faithful forevermore you have done great things and I know you will do it again for your promise is yes and amen you will do great things God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you've done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God. You have done great things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh, God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the 
grave You free it, recapped it And break every chain Oh God, you have done great things We dance in your freedom Awaken to life Oh Jesus, our Savior Your name lifted high Oh God, you have done great things You have done great things, oh God, you do great things. I've heard. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of the night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. But I know we're all searching for answers Only you provide Cause you know just what we need Before we say a word You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by It's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect. I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I can hardly think as you go deeper still as you go deeper still as you go deeper You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I love 
God, we're so thankful, um, God, that we have so much hope. God, it's so easy for us to get just caught up and entangled in the things of this world, and um, they're so visceral, and they're so right in front of us, and God, I just pray that this week that you would just supernaturally, that you would just help us to really identify with the fact that you are our hope, that we can rest. There is rest to be found in you. There is salvation and hope, God, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit would just enable us to supernaturally walk in that, God. We love you, and we're thankful for this time together. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, I know today was a little, um, maybe a little more academic, at least at the beginning. I had to do some, some uh, excavating there, and I, I want you to see, too, that the reason I did that is I want you to see that it's not contrived. I think it's important to kind of see the, the, the substance of how that unfolds and that why it makes sense and why this thing is something you can really lean into. You can plant your feet somewhere at a time where I think God in some ways illustrated the kind of father that we have in giving us that kind of word today, like right now. Even the timing of that, that couldn't have, that wasn't planned I mean, it's just the next verse. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Uh, together, let's just think about that together. I'm not that good of a planner. 
I mean, how, how could you plan for that? And then he plants us in this time, in this hour, with this word that just brings us some comfort, some help. I, whatever this last week has been for you, I bet you, there have been times, everybody in this room has been anxious. Election night, Christy and I were up till like midnight, and I put my phone in the kitchen. I don't sleep with my phone beside me anymore because it messes up my sleep because I end up looking at something right before I go to bed or something that gives me a restless night. So I, but, but that night, we're on our phones. You know, I'm texting people. What do you think? What do you think will happen here? And I, I felt this anxiety, and then I'm preparing for this sermon. And I'm like, oh. So if you felt anxiety this week, if you feel anxiety today, you're not a Martian. Okay, you're not broken. You're human. If you felt fearful at some point this week, maybe you're fearful today. You're not a Martian. You're not broken. If you're excited, you're like, finally. Okay, there, there's disappointment coming. Okay, four years from now or eight years from now or 12 years from now. It's going to happen. We ride these undulations, people. So wherever you, whatever you are today, hopefully the word is something that brings us some calm and some some insight into what's really true here and we're not caught up in the micro terrain right we're not caught up in the micro terrain i'm going to read our benediction i don't want you to stand just yet because i'm going to read a passage this just before just just a second alex is ready man that's good conditioned i love it i'm going to read a passage though that actually is to the hebrew church they're in view of the Roman forum. The Hebrew church was, church was believed to be in Rome. Okay? They could, and and the, the Jewish quarters were right across the river from the Roman forum. They could see the seat of power for an empire. They're in visual distance, like sight distance of this thing, watching people walk the forum there, this, these power brokers. And this is what the, the, Hebrew, the preacher of the church of Hebrews, uh, the Hebrew church says to them. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Maybe it's a severe persecution in Rome for these Christians that he's recalling. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated. You had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. <laughs> right? Man, what, whatever you're feeling this morning, whether you're super excited or super uh, upset, we have a better possession and an abiding one. So don't be so excited and don't be so worried. Don't be so anxious. We have something better than a, a micro-terrain election. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which is a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We have need of endurance. It's a long hike with all kind of terrain in it. And the saints, man, what an hour we have to be peaceful right now. What space we have to say, man, we have a good, good father. What a great song. So fitting that the people of God sang, sung that, sang that together. I get past tense of sung, song. I get in trouble with my mom. She's going to tune me up over that one. Y'all stand for the benediction. <laughs> Alex, you standing? Good, good man. Okay, <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 20. 
Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Y'all have a great week.